0: All right, let's go. So last week um, Russ introduced a series that we're going to do. I'm going to talk about a few things on the unshakable kingdom uh, and in the process he delivered uh, half of my message for this week. Um, I shouldn't have told him what I was going to preach and maybe he wouldn't have stolen it. or maybe it is that the, uh, the Holy Spirit's trying to get us get our attention about some things and uh, perhaps we're all just a bit slow or maybe I am. And as we were talking about last week, responding to the prophetic is about hearing what God is saying to us and then preparing to become that. We're hearing, that God, we're hearing from God that there is an unprecedented move of the Holy Spirit coming where we will see God using all of his people, as Lance said earlier, uh, in signs, wonders, miracles to see multitudes of people reach for the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, along with that, however, we're also hearing that there is a sifting and a shaking coming. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken, and anything not built on the foundation of the kingdom is going to crumble. So with that in mind, we need to be equipped to be effective as a body of Christ in the middle of all that. So um, now that could all uh, sound a little bit frightening. Um, So today we're going to tackle what I think can be one of the biggest uh, hindrances to our effectiveness in the kingdom and stealer of our joy, and that is the issue of worry and anxiety. All right. So I started down the path of, uh, of addressing this issue uh, around the context of money and provision. And we're going to talk a bit about finance in the kingdom over the coming weeks. But quickly realise that it's a much bigger subject than just that. Our financial worries and stress uh, are just one of the things that impact us. Uh, and it's a fruit of something that's uh, rooted in a much larger framework. And so as with most uh, messages that you'll get from me, uh, most of this comes out of my own stuff. And uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, Steve Sudworth, who is, serves on the NCMI team uh, in South Africa. Um, for some of this content, he preached a message on worry and anxiety at an equip in the U.S. recently, and it really impacted me as I listened to it. He's in America, is he? He's a South African guy. He's, it's nice to be here. Um, i just made assumptions based on his voice, but we can't do that, as is illustrated here. He's an American, yeah. Um, So he was kind enough to lend me some of his content, he just doesn't know that. Um, So we'll thank him very much for that. So uh, yeah, that's how it rolls. Uh, So now I've got a lot to say on the subject of worry and anxiety because I'm actually an expert. Um, It's a a little known fact because I'm very humble and I don't like to talk about it. That uh, I'm actually one of the world's leading authorities on the issue. And possibly one of the most learned people on the planet and that's because uh, I have been, and still am, at times, a world-class warrior. I've turned it into a professional sport and some kind of art form. <laughs> because some of you will know that, uh, that I, uh, I'm a fixer. Like, I-, I love to fix things and uh, make things better and improve stuff, maximise things, and-, and oftentimes I can, particularly physical things, practical things. Uh, it's funny story, um, at our church in, uh, where, where we were in Sydney before we relocated back to Tasmania, a, a, a nice couple turned up one day to church with a microwave in their arms. And they uh, said, so oh, we want to donate this to the church. We're like, oh, great, that's okay. And we're thinking, oh, well, I'm not sure what we're going to do with it anyway, but hey, thanks for the great gift. And they said, oh, oh, yeah, it doesn't work, <laughs> um, but that's all right, Tim will fix it. <laughs> so ever since then, there's been this rolling joke that, uh, that Tim fixes microwaves <laughs> Uh, It's not true. I don't fix microwaves. Please don't bring me appliances. (laughs) Especially don't donate them to the church if they don't work. (laughs) But um, boy, oh boy, when I can't fix things, particularly involving situations with people and uh, relationships because they're so much more complicated than things, um, I worry. And I've at times made myself physically ill with worry and anxiety when I can't fix the problem, can't solve the issue. Uh, sleepless nights, gone grey, my hair's fallen out, (laughs) the the whole nine yards, perhaps that's what's wrong with Johan over here. (laughs) Yeah, great moustache, right, right, that catches all the worries. All right, so uh, vulnerable moment time for us all. Can I ask you in this room, has anyone ever worried about something? That's a rhetorical question. (laughs) You don't have to answer this, but are, are any of you currently worried about something right now? Maybe some of you are crippled with anxiety right now. And can I say this? I I feel you and I understand and I've been where you are. And I'm trusting today that the Holy Spirit has some keys for us. And uh, more than anything else, I'm believing that he wants to equip us and set us free. And there's probably plenty of us in this room whose uh, life is pretty peachy right now and we're sailing along. Uh, your time might come, and even in the midst of that, Jesus wants to equip us and give us some ammunition to stand against it in the future. So, before I ramble on anymore, I reckon we should go to the Word of God. Does anyone want to take a stab at where we're going? <laughs> Matthew 6, the winner. Um, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that is, uh, yeah, you read my notes, I'm standing here reading them before, I'm like, stop it. <laughs> We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's very familiar to us, um, but I'm trusting that God's going to reveal some stuff to us through it today. So Matthew 6.25, let's read this together. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking, because the letters are in red. (laughs) Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Submission, submission, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So as we know, when we're looking at scripture, it's good to look around at the context. And as all good scholars of the word should know, that when we see a passage of the word that begins with the word therefore, we should have a look and see what it's there for. So the context of the worry passage is the Sermon on the Mount, the preceding chapters, where where Jesus lays out one of perhaps the most significant chunks of teaching for us on how to be effective in his kingdom. He reels off and we read pages and pages of red letter, um, beginning with the Beatitudes, about being salt and light, Jesus fulfilling the law, about the issues of the heart, uh, murder, adultery, marriage, letting our yes be yes, going the extra mile, loving our enemies, doing good to please God, not man, how to pray, how to fast, laying up treasures in heaven, not on earth, about serving God, not money. And after all of that comes this. Therefore, do not worry. So it's simple really, that ends my message. We just need to stop it. (laughs) Let's all have a cup of tea and I'll run out the door and catch the plane. Look, I love to use uh, video when I'm speaking uh, because it means it's five minutes less that I have to talk. And uh, in the context of just stopping it, uh, this one was too good to pass up. So if we hit the button, let's see what happens. Uh,
1: Dr. Switzer? Uh, Yes, come in, I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman, Janet Carlyle referred me. Oh yes. feel uh, uh, buried alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh no, 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 we don't we don't do that anymore. Just just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge five dollars the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. <laughs> uh, how does that sound? Well, that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and <laughs> I I don't make change all right (laughs) go go well tell me tell me about the problem uh, that you wish to address oh okay uh well i have this fear of being buried alive in a box (laughs) i just i start thinking about being buried alive and i begin to panic has has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? no no but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible i mean i can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house anything boxy (laughs) so what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic uh... yes yes that's it (laughs) all right well uh, let's go Catherine uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here there. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words and I cannot tell you the amount of... Uh, Dr. Switzer? Never mind, uh, yes. we'll pause it but there. Come just come go I'm to the just, next bit. Just washing my hands. <laughs> uh, I'm
2: Catherine Bigman, Janet Carlisle. Refer-
0: oh, it seems like a good idea at the time. Look, the rest of that sketch goes like this. She uh, starts to raise a, a bunch of uh, other issues and worries that she's dealing with, and he's just shouting across the desk at her, Stop it! And then she goes on a, on a rant to him, yelling back to him, So you stop it! And at the end of it all, um, he says, well, she says, Well, this is clearly not working, and I'm going to leave. And he says, uh, Well, hang on. Well, it just, just hangs tight. I'm, g- I'm going to give you 10 words. And he says, You ready? And he says, Stop it, or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> so good. So, what we can take from this is that we just need to stop worrying, or Jesus will bury us alive in a box. It's not true. Anyway, let's bring it back. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, I'm running to catch a plane. Uh, Anyway, back to the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) Can you imagine Jesus hearing all of that and uh, and thinking to themselves that uh, everything that's come before, do not this and all the the message of the kingdom, and thinking how are we ever going to live up to that? And then so Jesus immediately addresses that and says, in a nutshell, don't worry, I'll give you everything you need to succeed. In partnership with me, you just can't fail. So when we worry it robs us of our capacity, it takes up space, it takes up residence in our head, it robs us of our joy and in the process steals away a bunch of our effectiveness as part of the kingdom. So with all that in mind, um, what is worry? What's wrong with it? Why do we do it and how do we stop it? So what is it? Uh, The Bible defines worry, my brilliant study Bible here has some footnotes and it defines it this way. To divide into parts, the word suggests a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress and pressure. Jesus speaks against worry and anxiety because of the watchful care of a heavenly Father who is ever mindful of our daily needs. We're all pretty familiar with it because we've probably all experienced it at one time or another. So what's so wrong with it? Some people could say, oh, well, worry, it sharpens our conviction and focuses our mind. Um, And I've got five points here that also come straight from this great study Bible. And they all start with the letter U, uh, so it's obviously the Holy Spirit. So we've got five U's. Um, Verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? So worry is, number one, unreasonable. Unreasonable. We're going to feel a bit beat up by the time we get to the end of these, but that's okay. Worry is unreasonable. Life is more than food and clothes. And in the context of the therefore, Jesus is saying that you are worth so much more than, and he has so much more for you than the stuff in your mouth and what you put on your back, or what you have in your wallet or your bank account. Our obsession and concern with these things steals us away from the greater work of the kingdom. It wastes our time and mental energy and takes away from the stuff that Jesus has for us to do. Verse 26 says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not of more value than they? And this is something that struck me. Uh, Verse 26, uh, Worry is unnatural. Do you know that we are the only thing that God created that worries? Worry is something that entered our humanity because of sin and the fall. And Jesus wants to, can, and has redeemed that. And uh, put yourself with Jesus on the side of the mountain with the disciples and the scripture comes to life. Can you imagine Jesus looking at a bird flying around saying, look at that bird. He's flapping around there completely unfazed by what he's going to eat next or where the next feather on his backside is going to come from. God knows what he needs and provides it in every moment. And this bird knows that. Aren't you worth so much more than him? And you're worried about what you're going to eat. In fact, let's grab this bird. (laughs) No. (laughs) Now I want chicken. Verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add a cubit to his stature or a moment to his life or anything of significance? It's so, verse 27, the next you is worry is unhelpful. And let me ask you this. Who here has achieved anything remotely worthwhile by worrying? Jesus is saying that worry achieves absolutely nothing of worth. It's like running on a hamster wheel. We're getting really puffed out and we're going absolutely nowhere and we're getting exhausted in the process. Uh, we used to laugh in the in traffic in Sydney um, at all the uh, people stuck in cars in traffic on their way to the gym to ride a stationary bicycle. <laughs> Just uh, think about that for a little while. Get on the bike and yeah, anyway... I think uh, think it's why it's one of the things that we struggle with so much because the enemy or Satan would rather have us preoccupied with the worries of the world than getting on with the work of the kingdom. Verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The next you is that worry is unnecessary. God sees our every need and willingly provides for it. This is true regardless of whether we worry or not. Our worry doesn't move God's heart. Our prayer, intimacy, and drawing near to him does. Our worry doesn't move God's heart, but our prayer, intimacy with him, and drawing near to him does. It changes things. And this one's a bit brutal. Verse 31 and 32. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Worry is unbelieving. Ultimately, when we worry, it's because we don't truly believe everything we've already said above. We're acting as if God doesn't exist. When we live in fear of the material things... We're not truly believing that God can and will provide for our every need. okay? (laughs) All right, why do we worry? What is the root cause of our preoccupation? And looking at this, I've come up with two main reasons, which we're going to address. Um, The first reason is something that this scripture speaks to, but uh, we worry when we are reaching into the future and we're dragging the unknowns into today. God is already there, he's already in your future and has it in hand. In this passage, Jesus speaks into the future tense. He says, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. Um, Verse 34, which we read before, says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just deal with what's in front of you right now. He's not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. He's not saying be totally irresponsible and don't plan for tomorrow. He's simply saying that to stop reaching into tomorrow and trying to solve the problem before we get there. We don't have the full picture of tomorrow. Only God does. He sees it all because he's already there and he has all the information and all the solutions and he'll give them to us tomorrow. What he is trying to say to us is stop being distracted by tomorrow so much that you're being ineffective for the kingdom today. There's so noisy in your head that you can't hear my voice for what I want to do right now. He's saying I want to partner with you to do something right here and now that's amazing but it's really hard for me to do that when you only want to talk to me about tomorrow. We need to remember that the security of our tomorrow is rooted in the Jesus who willingly went to the cross, knowing full well what was coming. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's the foundation of our tomorrow. He knows. Leave tomorrow in tomorrow. Otherwise we can miss the incredible things that Jesus wants to do in us and through us right now. Second reason. There's probably many more, but let's go with these two. The second reason we worry is uh, uh, something that's come up a lot and we've been talking about a lot lately. Um, And it's when we see the means that God uses to provide for us as the source. The the resources of our means are limited. God as the source is limitless. So our salary has limits. Our superannuation is limited. Our property has limited value. Our health is limited. Here's a fact, we're all going to die something. (laughs) Our time is limited and our energy is limited. It has a limit that Jesus is limitless. His resources are never-ending. He has our tomorrow in hand and he has limitless resources to give us everything we need to partner with him to do what he wants. So Jesus is the source for the solution to our worry. Take your worries directly to him, not to 27 other people looking for help like I do. At the best, they can reassure us, but only totally trusting Jesus and his provision can obliterate our worries. All right, well, that's all well and good. How do we stop it? How do we break the cycle? Verse 33 says this. We need one of those great big... (laughs) and You know what I'm going to say. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seeking first the kingdom of God, Today and God's promises that everything else, God promises that everything else will be taken care of. The solution isn't in our own grit, determination, and self-discipline. It's found in embracing our covenant relationship with Jesus, and driving the worry out of our minds by our obsession with His kingdom first. Our Father is as kind as He is good. Seeking first the kingdom is the first step on the pathway to experiencing God's miracles making our first priority to be obedient to the nudging of the Holy Spirit and being about the Father's business instead of our own, relentlessly pursuing intimacy with Jesus. There are very few challenges we face where more of Jesus isn't the answer. When we live like this, God is our source. He knows our every need. The promise is that he will provide all these things, or all these things will be added to us. He has limitless resources to provide answers where we are worried with questions. And so there's a responsibility on us in all of this. Understand me here, God is loving and kind and desires to give us everything we need. But in this expression of his covenant with us, he calls us to make determining... Slow down. He calls us to make determining his will for us and positioning our entire lives in obedience to him to be our very first priority. We don't earn it. And we certainly don't deserve it. But because of God's outlandish grace and love, his abundant provision is found when we enter into partnership with him. Seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added. When we make our number one priority to discern his will for us and humbly obey, in that place, his promise is that we have everything we need. It's a whole of life thing and it involves our everything. It's a big call, and now I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) It's why the whole false doctrine around the prosperity gospel is just so weak and sad. It reduces our intimate relationship with our Father to some sad transactional substitute, where a transaction takes place such that God, the bank teller, counts our offering down to the last cent, then judges it accordingly. We pass or fail, and out of that, he either multiplies it and gives it back, or we go hungry and fail until we go to the bank of God next week. It's, it's, and so the like pathetic, sad cycle of fear, manipulation and control goes around and around. It's so far off the mark, it's, it's just depressing. We're in an adopted father-son-daughter relationship, where Jesus calls us to seek first the kingdom. He's looking for our entire lives. Our financial resources are such a small component of that. He's drawing every saint, not just the leaders of the hierarchy, but every one of us into an unstoppable partnership with him to advance his kingdom. That's how we're going to see this outpouring. When we live like this, all of our priorities change. Everything changes. And our worry simply falls away because it just our head doesn't have space to contain it anymore. It's driven out. Because Jesus' promise to us is that he will provide everything we need along the journey. And the best part is that when we see the miracles and recognise that He is the source of them, the only one who gets the glory is Jesus. It's not about us. It never was. It's all about Him. We've seen some of this in our own lives, and I want to testify to a couple of things as humbly as I possibly can, just to give Jesus some glory. Um, Kate and I, I guess, in our family, we've done our best to try and live like this. We haven't always passed. But... um, yeah, we, we want to seek first and uh, we want that for, for everyone around us. And, but these stories are not about how great we are, they're really not. They're about how amazing God is and how faithful he is to his promises. So, let me have a drink. A couple of years ago, um, we'd been back in Launceston uh, about 12 months. We'd come back for a job. Um, we felt that God had led us back here and I was working at a place and, and things weren't going particularly well and I was worried in the state that I spoke about before, tearing out my hair and staggering out of bed in the morning and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we're at a pretty low point, I'll be honest, wondering what on earth it was that we were doing here and what it was all about, why God had brought us here and we were confused and had lots of questions. And uh, we, we were self-employed in Sydney and... Um, our uh, accountant at the end of that year had sort of wrapped up the final tax return of our business, and um, we'd put aside what we thought we needed um, to cover that. And uh, got this email one day with the with the final return, and could just contained this massive tax bill, um, so far beyond what we were planning. Some mistakes had been made, and some things hadn't been seen. And yeah, we don't use that accountant anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, and we had this huge bill. And I, I'll be honest, I hit rock bottom. I didn't like. What are we going to do? And went through a process of angry and all this stuff that we do, you know, and uh, and finally got to the point where oh, we all just take it to God, and um, so we did that. And of course, you know how we go to God with uh, with the answers we think He's going to give, and we just tell Him what He should tell us. So, so oh, we're just on our salaries now, and we're just going to chip away at this thing. And we'll go some payment arrangement with the ATO or whatever, and we'll, we'll figure it out. It might take us years, but you're faithful, <laughs> and left it at that. Uh, in the following two weeks. Um, literally, uh, unexpectedly, through a range of means um, that we had no concept of, tens of thousands of dollars fell out of the sky. Um, One of the things we needed in that time was I'd I'd just changed employment and we needed a second car. So uh, we were given a car in the fortnight after that. Admittedly, it's a bright yellow Hyundai gets, um, but that's just a bright yellow reminder every day to us of how good God is. (laughs) Um, so it was incredible, I, I, Centrelink had made some mistakes with our family tax benefit, they found them and told us, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, so it was amazing um, so, uh, and out of that we, we paid off every debt we had, um, we had a second car and we were able to take our family on a holiday to Queensland, so, such is the extravagant provision of God when we, when we desire to partner with him. I want to tell you another story that hopefully I'll get through. And this one's fairly fresh. Um, yeah, about so uh, first sort of part of last year, just after Redemption Hills had got established and Kate and I had this sense that, uh, yeah, I think we're here for the long haul and finally this all makes sense and this is what's going on and God's positioned us here. And I had, for the first time in my life, I had this desire to really put down roots and I started to worry about the fact that we'd never owned a home. And that um, we'd always rented our whole lives, and that was kind of under the uh, umbrella of well, we want to be free, and so we can just up and go and all that, and, and then, but I started to think about how much money we'd spent on rent over the years, and I started to and we had friends in Sydney that uh, were retired, you know seven year old had nothing, were living hand to mouth on what they could get from a pension, barely paying rent, hardly enough to eat, and I thought, oh, what's, what if that's us, you know knowing all the time that God has our future in hand. but, but uh, So we started to pray about, and we had a conversation with Russ in the car, and we started to pray about God making a way for us to own a home. And uh, sat on that for a while, and of course again went to God with the answers, this is how it's going to roll, and I'll do a bit extra work, and we'll put that aside, maybe seven or eight years, we'll get together enough for a bit of a deposit, and we'll get this done. Um, fast forward a few months later, and uh, and... Someone at the time who I didn't know well uh, invited me out for a coffee. And uh, I, I thought at the time, oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe this person just uh, wants to get to know me a bit better and, and that's great. So anyway, so off we went. I'm sitting down with the coffee and we're just talking about our lives and back and forth and things that were going on. And, and uh, this person says to me, um, so this is a bit left field. He says, oh, so I think God's laid it on my heart um, uh, that, that, that you guys want to get into a home. And that we, I'd like to help you do that. <laughs> and, um, so I sat there you, with that expression, breathing through my mouth heavily. <laughs> Who knows what I said in the in the in the five or so minutes that followed that. But uh, so look, fast forward. Um, so the, the the story with that was that uh, you know a chunk of money was provided for a, for a deposit for us to get a mortgage. Um, God is absolutely amazing. We settle on that home on Wednesday. So, just our very first home. <laughs> but God sees the need because we're here now. He's planted us here and He, he has our future and our tomorrow in His hands and He is the source. Um, bringing this full circle, it may be that the resources that God has passed on to you, He wants to use when you seek first the kingdom, He wants to use you to be the answer to somebody else's need or someone else's worry. In obedience, in seeking the kingdom of God first, there is this beautiful picture of the cycle of God's kids in partnership with him, having everything we need to forget the worries of the world and get on with the work of advancing his unshakable kingdom. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) So I'm just going to pray. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are in our tomorrow, that the foundation of tomorrow is rooted in the one who willingly went to the cross knowing he would rise again. We give you praise for that. We give you praise that when we partner with you, your promise is that you provide every need that we have. And we give you praise that you desire to bring freedom. That as we partner with you, you can can take the worries of this world away from us. You can drive them out because of your goodness, your grace, your love. Holy Spirit, just come and minister to us right now where we're anxious, where we're concerned, where we don't know perhaps where the next meal is going to come from. Just minister into the deepest place of our heart. Heal the brokenness. Bring freedom, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So grateful. Amen. Hand
2: back. Wonderful. Wonderful. Could you just keep your head bowed for a moment? You know, there's some things that when God speaks to us, He just touches us and changes and transforms us. And then there's some things that are truth that we have to apply. Someone can't pray for you and make it all better. We actually have to apply it. But it's still God's love. What he was saying this morning is this. If you're worrying, you're not seeking first the kingdom. Very simple. So how do you stop it? You don't say, I won't worry, I won't worry, I won't worry, I won't worry, I won't worry. You say, no. I'm going to hear what God's saying and I'm going to seek first the kingdom. Lord, show me. I want to seek you above all else. I want to partner with you in all that I'm doing. See, it's not that God's angry with us. It's not that he's slapping us upside the head. He's actually just saying, I'm trying to get your attention because this actually isn't good for you. So just take a moment. Let the Holy Spirit show you and then respond to them. Are you worried about the future? Are you worried about provision? Are you worried about relationships? Are you worried about where you'll be or what you'll do? Are you worried about what someone thinks about you? If any of those are the case... The Holy Spirit is simply saying, you've got your eyes off of Jesus and onto the wrong things. If you don't know him, this makes absolutely no sense at all, because the kingdom is weird if you don't know Jesus. That's where religion comes in, when people try to tell you that you should do things or not do things, but you don't know the Jesus who makes it possible to do those things or not do those things. Then you're just setting you up to fail. And people try that, and then they fail, and they say, I tried that. It didn't work for me. What they tried was religion and not Jesus. <clears throat> if you don't know him, we'd love to introduce you to him. If you need prayer for healing, God can touch you. And he's the only one that can do that. You can't make any other decision to, to get healed. I mean, you can live healthy, but... There is something where at times when God just touches us and and heals us. And so when we're dismissed, if you'd like to know Jesus or you'd like someone to pray with you for healing, I'm going to invite you to come to the front as everyone else goes to get some coffee and tea. But if you're seeing that there's been worry, seek first the kingdom. Just stop it. Because that's what stopping it is. Getting our eyes back on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, fixing our eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 11 says, or 12, 12, one of those. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the word that you shared with us. Thank you that you are concerned about everything in our life. We go with our eyes fixed on you and grateful to be a part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.